0: Hey, everybody. Uh, This is the topics 5.3, 4, and 5. This is on political parties from Unit 5. Um, If you haven't listened to the first part of Unit 5, uh, Unit 5 is um, one of the bigger ones. It's uh, 20 to 27 percent of your test. So, there is a chance. That there's a good chance there's some questions that will come from this, this stuff that you're going to be listening to uh, with the political parties and then the interest groups and some of the other, other things. Um, <clears throat> well, let's jump right into it. So 5.3 is on political parties. You've got two learning objectives here and two pieces of essential knowledge. The first learning objective is to describe linkage institutions. So, since this is kind of a brawl thing, let's, let's address this first. Uh, linkage institutions are basically those things within our society that allows us to kind of connect with our politicians, our government, okay? Uh, and there's four, the parties, which is what we're going to concentrate on today, uh, interest groups, the elections, and the media, All So within this unit, we're going to break down each one of these things. But just what you need to realize and remember, one of the big overarching themes of our course is the fact that, you know, how can we as citizens and constituents link up with our representatives? Um, And it's not always as easy as, well, let me send an email. Let me send a text. Let me make a call. Let me write a letter. Let me reach out on social media. Because a lot of times our represented representatives, our presidents and, and things like that, Aren't going to respond to us. So when we don't get the response that we want, what can we do? And so, um, yeah, if I can't get a hold of my congressperson, maybe I go to my local political party, whether that be Democrat or Republicans. And like, hey, here's my problem. Here's my issue, and I can find someone to potentially link me up with my representative. Maybe I go to an interest group. Maybe I go to uh, a media member, and maybe they can reach out. Okay, elections. Uh, we get to to kind of talk. To our politicians, through our votes, you know, if we vote the Democrats out in the fall of 22, that's a message to the Democratic Party: you got to make some changes. The Republicans have been sent a message because they lost the House and the Senate, and they lost the presidency in 2020. You got to change, make some changes. So, all these things are ways that we can communicate and let our represented uh, representatives uh, know, you know if we can't get a hold of them directly. All right. The second part gets more into what we're talking about uh, is political parties for today. And so the the second learning objective says to explain the function and impact of political parties on the electorate and the government. And then the essential knowledge is the functions and impact of political parties on the electorate and government are represented by. And there's a couple bullets. So let's unpack the bullets. The first one is the mobilization and education uh, voters, so the mobilization part is encouraging us to go out and actually vote. So you'll see some messages from both the Republicans and Democrats, you know, as we move forward um, and get more and deeper into election season, uh, encouraging people to, to go out and vote and finding ways to to, to register to vote and, and things like that. In you know, Collins Hill, we're not affiliated with a party, but we we had a voter registration drive. Okay, you'll see some of those from. Uh, Republican sites. we will see these, some of these from Democrats uh, where they're trying to, to get people out there to, to register and then go vote. All right. The education of voters is trying to give people information. Now, obviously, if you're getting stuff from the left, if you're getting stuff from the right, uh, that education is going to be somewhat slanted to those directions. So keep that in mind. And just like with anything, Go in with a you know, kind of a critical eye and, and realize, well, hey, who, who am I getting this information from? Uh, party platforms. So the party, the parties, uh, both Democrats and Republicans, have a platform. Uh, it is their basically plan to run the government. Because remember, that's one of the goals of the political parties is to get people elected so that they can run the government. They can implement. Um, their platform. Now we have kind of gotten away from the party being the dominant force and we are more uh, individuals. Okay. So it's more candidate centered stuff. And so the candidate will have their own platform. However, it will typically line up with whatever party they're going to be from. There won't be many major differences. Candidate recruitment. Uh, This is something that that gets overlooked, I think a lot by by just people in general, but uh, you don't just wake up typically. You know what, I'm going to run for for office. You can, and people do it all the time, but there are also people out there that get paid by the Republican Party. They get paid by the Democratic Party to go look for, search for people that can run for office. So a lot of the positions you see, you know, running, uh, a lot of times those people are placed there by the parties. And when when I say placed there, I mean, someone came to them from the Democratic Party. Someone came to them from the Republican Party and said, hey, would you like to run? in this position and because we think you have a bright future because of maybe their military service. Maybe they have been a mayor. Maybe they've been on a local city council or something like that and they have done some good things there. So, hey, I think you can serve a bigger role in this party and they start moving them up the the ranks. Uh, that is something that happens quite often. Okay. Uh, We can also take a look at the races they're going to put people in. You know, the parties are constantly watching the other or the side, and they're looking for weak seats. So if there is a, you know, Democrat right now, because the Democrats have control of the House and the Senate, if there looks like there is a weak Democrat in a Senate seat or a House seat that's up for re-election, the Republican Party is going to probably run a strong Republican against them because they want to – take those seats. If there's a strong Democrat, that's probably going to get reelected. Like um, Who's the 88-year-old in the Senate? I can't remember her name now. I think she's from California. She's been there forever. Yeah, why would the Republicans run a strong candidate against her when she's probably going to win because she's won so many times? Now, she's old. She probably should retire but that's just me. Okay. Anyways, uh, went off a little bit there. All right. So campaign management, including fundraising and media strategy. So this is a a, a thing that's gonna, it's kind of changed because once again, like I said earlier, we've gone from the party centered to, you know, uh, candidate centered stuff, but the parties will still help and assist. Pay attention to commercials. You're going to see a lot of commercials here in Georgia. Uh, for both uh, the Senate seat and the House seats, and all those things that are out there, uh, and you will see stuff paid for by the candidate by themselves. You're also going to see stuff paid for by both parties, where they have um, attempted to, to, you know, commercials run commercials for the candidates. Uh, but they will give money, they will help with with raising money, they will throw fundraisers uh, where they'll bring in probably a lot of Democrats, bring in a lot of Republican candidates, and say, hey. We're going to have a, a fundraiser here and get money for both the candidate and for the the party. Uh, they will help with the media, talking to, setting up uh, media events and things like that. So the, the party does a lot of that kind of stuff. And then finally, uh, committee and party leadership systems and legislatures. So going back to the, uh, the congressional stuff, uh, remember the committees are going to be chaired and majority of, whoever the, the controlling party is. Right now is Democrats, and so that plays a big deal or makes a big deal um, in in the House, in the Senate. All right, moving on to 5.4. It says how and why political parties change and adapt. The learning objective here is explain why and how political parties change and adapt. So that's uh, pretty easy. It's the name of the topic, and it's also the learning objective. Now we got a couple of essential knowledge pieces here. There's four of them. Uh, The first one says parties have adapted to candidate-centered campaigns and their role in nominating candidates has been weakened. So we've been talking about this uh, in 5.3. Let's drill down just a little bit further here, Uh, and especially that part about nominating candidates being weakened. So as we have moved forward and candidates are able to really reach out to the citizenry uh, with social media and their appearances and all that kind of stuff, it's really become about them versus being about the party. And so that's what we're getting there. It's further weakened by the fact that we as citizens get to pick the candidates. So let's take the presidential candidate candidates for example. In 2024, the Republicans are going to run several people. Okay. I shouldn't say the Republicans will run. Several Republicans will run for the presidential nomination. All righty. In the past that didn't happen they would go to their convention people would know that hey this is the five people that are running for the republican nomination there would be delegates picked by the republican party and they would go to the convention and you know they would give their speeches and then there'd be a vote and the delegates to that convention would pick the candidate nowadays though we have people running the primaries so starting in february of 2024 uh, all the way through early summer, probably, you know, you'll have the Republicans running in primaries and we as citizens get to go out and vote and pick who we want to be the Republican uh, nominee. So by the time we get to the convention in, uh in July of 2024, we'll know who the Republican nominee is going to be. The party really has no power anymore in picking uh, the candidates. So that's what it means there. All right. Uh, my favorite story to tell very quickly is Lincoln. You know, he was like the fourth candidate for the Republicans back in the 1860 uh, uh, campaign. He just happened to get in because the top two guys, Seward and Stanton, were splitting the votes. And so they finally started to vote for somebody else because they weren't going to switch and vote for 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 either of those. So anyways, um, that's how it's been weakened. All right. Parties modify their policies and messaging to appeal to various demographic coalitions so uh you can probably see this in some of the the commercials and ads that are out there uh you'll see different groups being kind of targeted um for a message and i think that's that's pretty easy to understand there uh the next one the structure of parties has been influenced by and there's three um three bullets critical elections and regional realignments so critical elections happen uh from time to time. And basically, uh, these are important re- uh, uh, elections that have the potential to, and, and you, we don't know that a critical election is like, we can't know that 2024 is going to be a critical election. You're going to hear that every election from now, probably until the end of time, is the most important election in our lifetime. We won't really know if it's a critical election until we can take a look at it and look back. Critical elections typically are going to have some kind, something, something big is going to happen and come from those re- from those elections. Whether it be the, the party switching, you know, almost switching sides, uh, more people going over to one side, uh, a, a large demographic going from Democrat to Republican or from Republican to Democrat, or stuff like that happening, are going to be critical elections. Uh, campaign finance law. Now we're going to get into campaign finance law uh, in topic 5.11. So uh, I'm not going to spend too much time here, but it does, The you know, m- the money is limited to an extent uh, on what parties can do, how much money they can take and whatnot. So that changes uh, some of the influence that they have. And then finally for the bullet there, changes in communication and data management technology. Uh, this is going to be the social media uh, and the internet has really changed how parties are, are going to be able to change. I mean, uh, how parties are going to change, uh, how they work and operate because it, everything is so different. It used to be, hey, let's throw it in the newspaper. Let's put it on the TV. That was it. I mean, that was the, that was it. That's how you got your message out. Now, there's so many different ways uh, that the the parties and people can communicate. Uh, finally, party use communication technology and voter data management to disseminate control and clarify political messages and enhance outreach and mobilization efforts. And that goes back into what we were just saying about how um, communication and social media and the internet itself has just absolutely turned some of these things on their heads where, you know, you used to be able to really just, like I said, let's put it in the newspaper and then I get the message out. Now who, who reads the newspaper? No one that I know does. So, how are you gonna get your message out? And this can be through social media. You go, go look at some of your social media accounts and look for some of the, the politicians. They're all gonna have social media accounts. That might not be them running it, but they're gonna have them and they're gonna get their message out the way, out that way. The parties have their messages or their their accounts so that are gonna send out messages. It's it's the way they're going to reach the citizenry. All right, final topic for today is 5.5, the third party politics. So the learning objective says to explain how structural barriers impact third party and independent candidate success and there's two pieces of essential knowledge uh first off is to compare the proportional system to the winner take all and how that's a structural barrier to third party and independent candidate, candidate success so let's unpack that first so and let's let's talk specifically about the presidential uh election so we we just talked about how uh you know, people are going to run in the primaries <clears throat> and they're going to get picked. They're going to go back, and they're going to run to the states. Almost every state, uh, all but two. So, you know, I-, I shouldn't even make it sound like there's there's a few. There's only two states that don't have the winner-take-all system. 48 states are going, when you go vote for your president in 2024, whoever it is, if that person gets just a simple majority in the state, they get all of the votes. So, you know, Georgia has 16 electoral votes. Whoever wins Georgia gets all 16 of those, even if it is split 55 to 45, 51 to 49, okay? All 16 votes go to the winner. That's a problem for third-party candidates because are they going to get third, th- you know, 50% of the vote in almost any state? Probably not because people have a problem and they feel like they're they're throwing their vote away when they vote for third-party candidates. So it just doesn't happen. That's a problem, okay? Now you do have some states, Nebraska and Maine, that are proportional, meaning based on the amount of votes you get, you'll get a certain percentage. So let's say it was 50-50 in Nebraska, all right? They have, uh, I think, six votes. So if it's 50-50, then let's split the votes, the electoral votes, three and three. Uh, Maine has four votes. So let's say it's 75% to 25%. Then one person gets the 75% gets three votes. The 25% gets one. This would help some, some third party candidates because they do have some success in some places. And if they had some success, they could garner some electoral votes, but as it is now, they don't get to get these electoral votes. It's, it's almost impossible for third party candidates to get those electoral votes and have success. And because they don't have success, people always view it as well. I'm throwing my vote away. Why should I vote for a third-party person when the Republican or the Democrat is going to win? And it's because of the the winner-take-all system. Finally, the incorporation of third-party agendas into platforms of major political parties serves as barriers to third-party and independent uh, candidate success. So one of the main ways that a third-party candidate can have success if they're not going to win is by getting their agenda picked up. So if my talking points get picked up by the Democrats or the Republicans. That's kind of a win for me as a third-party candidate because I'm not going to win. No one is going to really hear me talk about my my agenda. But if the other party picks it up, that's a win. However, that's also a barrier because sometimes the other parties can just kind of, you know, that's a good talking point. If, they, if that's their talking point and they use it against me, they might have some success. Let's just kind of engulf them. Let's take it on uh, as ours. And so they can pick it up. One of the, the, one of the major parties can pick up the third party agenda and just kind of take them on, morph into it, or whatever you want to call it. And so that leads to them not having much success. All right, guys, that is the political parties. Uh, we've got interest groups, uh, elections, and then the media uh, left in uh, Unit 5. So we'll get those uh, out to you as soon as possible. I hope all is well. As always, find a way to get a hold of me, whichever way you want to do it. But make me answer your questions if you have any, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.